0: The Truth News Network. When you hear the White House spokesperson and you think, can we all go back to circle back girl now? You're looking at a problem. When a candidate for Supreme Court is asked, what is a woman? And the answer is, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. When she's in that chair answering that question precisely because she is a woman. How do you sort out that insanity? With the razor of truth. This is TNN, the Truth News Network. And your coach for today is Dan Newman.
1: Did you listen to how Pete Moss introduced the show today? When he was talking about the press agent or the press chief or whatever you want to call whoever speaks for the president in the White House, he called this press secretary spokesperson. We live in a world where you have to say that. It's not acceptable to say spokesman or spokeswoman. You have to be generic with your pronouns, and if you're not, OMG, they will come cancel you. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Friday's edition of TNN Live. It's a special day today. Why? Because you're allowing me to come into your life to listen to what we have to say here at TNN Live. As always, there's a lot going on in the world of politics. There's a lot going on in the world regarding things that are not political. But unfortunately, it's impossible for all of us to speak into or make a difference in the lives of everybody that tunes in every day to TNN Live. So what we're going to do is go back up to the 10,000-foot level. You know, we live on ground floor, but we'll go up a little higher And we're going to address some of the systemic issues that cause all these problems for you and me. I didn't even know, had hardly ever heard the word systemic until the woke crowd took over. And so I'm using it here. What does that prove to you? I'm impacted by this generation and by this generation's of media. And guess what? You are too. Our president just when you think you've heard him say the absolutely most ridiculous thing about a very important issue in your life and mine. He took it one step further. We'll get in a little bit later to some of the economic things that are happening, some very important things, some very important explanations that you need to understand. But yesterday, President Biden kind of put The responsibility in focus for us all for who is responsible for inflation. Today's report shows, though, some progress. Overall, inflation was 2% over the last three
0: months. That's down from 11% over the prior three months. That's progress. Republican wins, inflation is going to get worse. It's that simple.
2: Joining me right now is Fox News contributor, former senior advisor to the Clintons and the Stagwell Group CEO and the Harris Poll chairman, Mark Penn. Mark, great to see you. Thanks very much for being here this morning. Uh, morning. He keeps blaming Republicans for everything despite this horrendous policy. How important are these issues for the midterm elections now, Mark? Give us your sense of where polling is.
3: Well, we're coming out of the field with a Harris poll this morning, and inflation is the number one issue, along with immigration and crime as two and three. And 73% of the people now expect that we're going into a recession. And 55 percent blame President Biden and his policies for the inflation. So he may be trying to deflect it, but he really needs to meet it head on, take responsibility and give a plan of action, because right now he is failing on that issue with the American public, no question about it.
2: uh, Instead, he's actually misleading the American people every day uh, with comments like it's the Republicans' fault. I mean, that's not going to fly, don't you think?
3: Well, yes, he keeps saying, on the one hand, there's inflation, then there's, as he said, there's just 2% inflation, or last month he said there was no inflation. I mean, his comments are, are just not credible on the issue. When we ask voters, what issue are the Democrats talking about, they say January 6th. So when the public really wants to talk about inflation, immigration and crime, the Democrats are seen as not really even playing on the main issues, and the president is not being credible about those issues or responding in a forceful way.
2: Right. Trump and abortion, Mark, it's Dagan McDowell. But these concerns that you talk about for voters and the disastrous state of the economy, is it actually playing out? in the way that they will vote at the um for congress and for senate because if it was a presidential election that might be one thing but are there concerns and the blame that the democrats deserve is it actually showing up in the numbers because if you look at the senate it's extremely tight between republicans and democrats in, in the um you know the closely watched races and even on the the republicans should be much further ahead you would think in the house races
3: Well, CNN had a poll when they looked actually at the House races that are contested. They have Republicans ahead by five points, Mm -hmm. you know, in those districts. Uh, Look, I think if you went back before Labor Day, I think Democrats had some momentum. I THINK SINCE THEN, THE MOMENTUM HAS CLEARLY SHIFTED. I THINK THE BIGGEST OPPORTUNITY FOR DEMOCRATS WOULD HAVE BEEN a, a REALLY A CHANGE IN INFLATION, AND WE DIDN'T SEE THAT. Uh, QUITE THE OPPOSITE, I THINK IT'S UNDERSCORED AS THE MOST IMPORTANT ISSUE. I THINK NOW WE ARE SEEING IN THE POLLS DEMOCRATS PAYING A PRICE for the trillions of dollars that were spent coming out of the pandemic yeah. for Biden's policies related to that and to energy. Uh, and I do think that you see the momentum here and, and the energy on the Republican side. And if you'd asked me a few weeks ago, I would have said the opposite.
2: And, and Can I just add one thing? It's not just the blame and who caused the inflation and the declining wages. It's the fact that the Democrats can't acknowledge that is a hardship. That, is, that there's a declining um, standard of living in this country.
1: Democrats won't claim responsibility for anything that is unsuccessful. They will take responsibility for things that sometimes they didn't have anything to do with. And they think that Americans are so stupid that we don't see and understand that. Let me just get up on the bully pulpit for a moment and point something out to Mr. Biden. He's rocking and rolling along after initiating and signing authorization for the spending of $4.1 trillion, $4.1 trillion. I could sit here all day and give you a correlation of circumstances to make it easier to understand what a trillion of anything really is, and then multiply that times 4.1. It's mind-boggling. You can't get your brain around it. There's nothing in your life or mine we've ever been a part of that was in the trillions. And I don't care if you're a multi-billionaire listening to the show today. You may be very familiar with one more zero than I am in your life, and I'm proud for you. But just understand this. We're talking about spending dollars that, if you're a billionaire, it's 4.1 thousand times more than you have. It's unfathomable that this president would go down this road, spend all this money having so-called experts, economists in his administration with which he interacts every day. Every day this president has a conversation with someone regarding economic things. Well, how do you know that, Dan? Let me just say this. If he's the president of the United States And he's not doing that. He certainly needs to go because the administration is unilaterally charged by the Constitution to make sure that all the dollars that are spent go to the right places. It's that simple. But here's what else is simple. When you make a mistake, when you do something wrong, and you just keep doing it over and over and over again. Or if you keep talking about it and giving the same information responses, your reasoning for what's bad that's happening. But you keep saying it over and over again. And it keeps happening over and over again. And you do nothing about it. That famous person that I told you that spoke this directly to me regarding exactly what Joe Biden is in the middle of and he has us all in the middle of it with him. Nasty inflation. And oh, by the way, we're in what is actually by government definition, by the definition of economist in his government, we're in the middle of a recession. And that's how you soften things up. You soften the blow of reality. That's the way Donald Trump expresses it. How do you get out of it? I'll just be honest with you. You don't get out of inflation by continuing to do everything that put us in inflation and is making us stay there. So that famous person again, I'll go back to this famous man. I don't know how famous he is. He pastors the largest church in the state of New Mexico Here's what he said. Very simple. Nothing changes if nothing changes. If you want to change the inflation, Mr. President, stop spending money. Reign in the spending of the United States government. Reduce government spending because it's not government's money you're spending. It's our great, 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 great grandchildren because none of this money you spent, not one dime, of the $4.1 trillion was in the bank when you wrote the check. Now, can you imagine what happens in your life, your life I'm talking about, at your house, in your family? If you just went about spending money that you didn't have, writing checks on a bank account that's dead empty, and you continue to do it again and again and again and again, you'll end up in jail after you've destroyed everything in your life and everybody in your life with you. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Mr. President, I'm your economist today. Here's what you need to do today, Mr. President. You need to rein in the spending. You need to tell the American people, look, we tried to do something. It didn't work. We're going to go away from that, and here's what we're going to do to make it right. He could easily explain, look, the reason we did this was Americans were were really desperate for income. They'd been through the pandemic, lost jobs. Some didn't lose their jobs, but they couldn't work. But the bills kept piling up, and they needed some help, so that's what we did. Maybe we went too far, and we're sorry if we did, but we've got to work together now to get out of this thing. Joe Biden says exactly the opposite of that. Bob Gates, he is a real, real good leader. He was CIA director. He was the secretary of defense. Now he's the president of Texas A&M University. And he weighed in years ago about then senator Joe Biden now president Joe Biden regarding pretty much everything but he was speaking specifically to foreign policy when he was when he made this statement about Joe Biden here's what Bob Gates said Joe Biden has been wrong on every decision he's made in the last 40 years now that's a heck of a thing to to say about a leader at that time This leader was in the U.S. Senate, served and even chaired some very important committees there. Bob Gates accuses him of making decisions, every major decision over 40 years, being wrong. Here's what Joe said yesterday. You just heard it. If Republicans win, inflation is going to get worse. It's that simple. Now, he was giving this speech to Democrats and some other supporters of his in Los Angeles, and he was reacting to the new data that just came out concerning the Consumer Price Index. And the numbers show prices continued to go up. As prices increased 0.4% from the month of August, that's what they went up that amount, 0.4% in one month. Core inflation, that's a data point excluding food and energy. It was up 6.6% from a year ago. So just so you understand, those numbers I just gave you, that doesn't include everything. It doesn't include everything. If you roll in all of the other stuff like food, groceries, things like that, which aren't included in this number, we would literally be in an inflation mode the highest in U.S. history. As it stands now, the Biden administration led us into inflation that's the highest in 41 years. Joe Biden enjoys being in the company of one of America's greatest Democratic presidents, that he did similar things to Joe Biden regarding the economy, and now Joe's beaten him, President Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter kept doubling down and tripling down on really what turned out to be stupid. Double down on stupid. And you expect to get success? <laughs> Come on, man. So what are the specifics of what's going on now in your in your bank, in your spending? Some of the biggest increases in food, all fluid across the board. Cakes are up 1.8%, ham up 2.1%, hot dogs 1%, cheese 0.7%. Now these are the numbers that these prices are going up in one month, in 30 days. Ice cream's up 1%, fruits and veggies up 1.4%, potatoes up 1.8%, lettuce up 6.8%, sugar and sweets up 1.8%. That's on Uncle Joe. And yes, those Republicans, they make all of our policies. They create out all the laws. They give us everything and we put it in place and it's all bad. It's the Republicans' fault. If you elect these Republicans and give them control of the House and maybe the Senate, inflation's going to get worse. And then he says all the time when he's talking about Republicans. Republicans don't have any answers. They don't have any poli- uh, policies. And he asks this question. What do they believe? What do Republicans believe? This guy is vapid. He lives in a world where he is incognito. He just has no cognizance about what is going on around him. His focus is like he lives in that room of mirrors that I've talked to you about before where everybody that is selfish, that doesn't look at the lives of other people, doesn't get involved, really involved with people's lives, they build a room of mirrors, and they live in that mirror room. And there's a mirror on the ceiling, on the floor, and on all the walls. So what do they see themselves? Eventually, they get married and have a family, and they pull those people into the same room of mirrors with them. Sadly, in many cases, in most cases, everybody else in the family sees the same thing. Nobody's in their life that is important anyway, that's not in that room of mirrors and that's all they see. Joe Biden lives in that room when it comes to political thinking, when it comes to thinking about the responsibilities that one would have when he's at the top of the heap in the government. There are a lot of people that want to be president. I got to be honest with you. We'll talk about this if we have time later. I think Tulsi Gabbard is going to run for president again in 2024. I don't think she's at a point now with exposure to the political public sufficient to send her to the White House next time, but I can see a scenario where she would be a phenomenal vice president for four years and then move up, take the top spot. A Democrat? You would say that about a Democrat? Well, she left the Democrat Party early this week. She's not a Republican, hasn't said so yet. Maybe she remains an independent, I don't know. But it's not about her political party affiliation for me. She speaks good things, positive things, truths that you don't hear consistently from very many politicians. And she didn't just start doing it. She's been saying things like that all the way back to when she campaigned for, uh, for the House seat of Hawaii in the very beginning, as a Democrat, by the way, elected as a Democrat, served as a Democrat. She was vice chair of the Democrat caucus in her first term in the U.S. House of Representatives but she's got substance there. Joe? I don't know, folks. I don't know. I just don't see it getting any better over the next couple of years. And there's nobody in the House or Senate, no leadership there that have the guts to do anything about it. Right now would be a perfect time for House Speaker Pelosi to sit down with Minority Leader McCarthy. And on the other side, in the Senate, Mitch McConnell to sit down with Chuck Schumer. And all of you acknowledge what is being done now isn't working. Let's stop it. We have the legislative authority between the four of us. We can drive legislation through and get the good things done for the people. And it doesn't have anything to do with more freebies. It doesn't have anything to do with politicization of everything. It has to do with substantive things, bread, butter, fish, and meat for the American people. In other words, the core issues that we all are experiencing. You just heard Mark Penn in that minute ago when we we played that, uh, that soundbite from Maria Bartiromo's show. He said a lot of good things. But specifically what he said is Democrats don't get it. I think he was wrong. I think they do get it. But I think they don't want to do anything about it for political purposes only. They're worried about a gig. They're worried about a job. I was gonna, I was gonna do this later on. Let me reach out and find this. Alexandria Ocasio Cortez. She got busted last night. She went to a church meeting in her district, and it was an announced church meeting. I know I have it here, and um, it was supposed to be a couple of hundred people there. Sh- showed the video of the people there and it looked like maybe there were 30. I can't find it right now. It's in a pile here. We're going to get to it later on, but you need, you need to listen to one of her supporters. Americans get this. Americans understand what's going on. Americans aren't stupid. The most important thing to Americans right now, number one, inflation and how it impacts them. But we have all of these other balls in the air. Democrats are throwing up all kinds of things. The Department of Justice, they made it very clear. You know what their number one job is? Ratchet down on the freedoms of the American people, like the freedom of speech. They are doing that today. They're chasing people about their freedom of speech, First Amendment rights, and they're ignoring the First Amendment. We're seeing around the nation now where the courts, the high courts, even the US Supreme Court, are weighing in on specific issues and saying, this is what the Constitution says. And we have attorneys general. It's happening in Pennsylvania. There were millions, several millions of voters on the voter rolls. Their voter rolls hadn't been purged in decades. And there is a U.S. constitutional law. Listen, elections, according to the Constitution, belong to the states. The states have sole responsibility and authority to operate the election processes in each of their states. But there's got to be a guarantee that everybody that votes is registered legally to vote and is still breathing. There were hundreds of thousands of ex-Pennsylvanians that had been dead for years. And some of those people voted in 2020. Of course, they voted absentee. I'm joking, but seriously. It went all the way to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court said day before yesterday, you can't do that. Purge those voter rolls. You know what this person did in Pennsylvania? Said, we're going to go ahead and do it the way we're doing it thumbing their nose at the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's okay now to Democrats. You can do that. The courts, oh, they're all just a political arm of the two particular parties. When Donald Trump was in the White House, the Supreme Court was politicized as Republicans. And the exact opposite was true, but don't ever let the truth get in the way of a good story. We're in a dangerous place. And when this president ignores the rule of law, ignores the Constitution, and ignores the constitutional legislative structure, and just starts governing with his pen, I just can't get this. We're going to have Mike Johnson on the show next week, Congressman Johnson. And one of the big questions I want to answer to is why and how is Joe Biden governing the people literally crafting legislation in the Oval Office and just putting it out in executive order format and we're spending billions of dollars. There's something coming up today. We're going to talk about illegal immigration in a few moments. it'll, It'll blow your mind what Alejandro Mayorkas is doing. It probably won't, but did you think he could go further and get further away from the rule of law than he has? Well, guess what? He's doing it. Today, and it's brand new. We'll get to that in a minute. Some of you who have joined in, you remember yesterday I talked to you about Frank Church. He is a reader of truthnewsnet.org. He reads our stories, and he took exception with one of our stories that was posted late last week. And uh, you can go to the website, truthnewsnet.org, and scroll back to the story about communist in communism from several days ago, I forget the exact title, but then look at the comments, scroll down and look at the comments. I mean, he wrote an epistle and I responded to it and he responded to my response. You know, it's that social media thing. It's like, uh, it's like those little bitty dogs, you know, chihuahuas. I think it's in their genetics. They yip, 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 yip all the time. And if you've got one as a pet and you know it and it knows you and you just get tired of it yipping all the time and you look at it and you say, hey, you quit that right now or I'm going to put you outside. And they'll always do this. They'll give you one more yip after they quit, but they haven't really quit yet. (laughs) That's what we're experiencing now in government. But let's talk a minute about a little illegal immigration going on. You remember when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, he flew those two jet fulls of, uh, it, it was small private jets. It was a total of 48 illegal immigrants, but he flew them to Martha's Vineyard. And when he did that, it lit a fire that even was burning brighter and got more nasty than what happened when a couple of weeks before that, Texas Governor Greg Abbott started sending busloads full of immigrants from Texas to big cities like New York and Chicago, illegals. What it did, it opened the, the door for those mayors up there to understand what the border states have been dealing with for years now when the government won't enforce the rule of law, the federal government won't and refuses to give that power to the American people specifically in, at the state level And nothing was being done. Millions of people are all over the United States, many of who we have no idea where they are. We don't know who they are. We don't know when they came in in many cases, and we don't know what's in their past. And sadly, Americans are in this whole environment documented so far 600,000 felony acts by illegal immigrants against Texas citizens alone. Other states aren't reporting those statistics. The FBI is not keeping those statistics. I wonder why. Biden, Department of Justice, they probably said, hey, go quiet on that for a while. Well, you remember that one Texas sheriff, he got his panties in a wad about those immigrants being taken to Martha's Vineyard because the immigrants originally were in, I don't want to say custody, but they were in the immigration process, the illegal immigration process in his county. And he went postal. Oh my gosh, that's an illegal act. What Ron DeSantis did is illegal. So guess what was reported late yesterday? Dozens of migrants who were flown to Martha's Vineyard are crime victims. And that's according to this sheriff who is boosting their chances, listen to this, he's boosting their chances of getting special visas to stay in the U.S. Bayhar County Sheriff Javier Salazar, he said he filed certification forms so that immigration lawyers can bolster their arguments for keeping these Venezuelans in the country. The sheriff says the migrants were duped by Ron DeSantis into flying to the tiny Massachusetts island. Here's what he said. Based upon the claims of migrants being transported from Behar County under false pretenses, we are investigating this case as possible unlawful restraint. Salazar put that out in a statement. We have submitted documentation through the federal system to ensure the migrants' availability as witnesses during the investigation. Now, lawyers say the migrants are seeking U1 non-immigration visas or U-visas that are set aside for people that are victims of certain crimes, who suffer mental or physical abuse, or can help law enforcement investigate some crimes. Salazar, by the way, is a Democrat. He's investigating the DeSantis flights and claims they were flown from Texas to Florida and then Massachusetts under false pretenses. DeSantis says that's untrue. Migrants signed waivers. He says liberal enclaves that profess to be sanctuary communities like New York and Chicago, who have declared themselves, their mayors have, as sanctuary cities, they should absorb some of the influx of migrants across the southern border and not just the southern border states. You know what is interesting here? Salazar is trying to personally as sheriff, manipulate the immigration system. At the top, you heard what he said. What DeSantis did is illegal. Well, then you know what happens in the United States? You go to trial. You take it to court. But this is a typical Democrat in political office, is Javier Salazar, Bayhar County. Don't know him. But you know how you know somebody or know what they are or what they think? Just watch what they do. He is turning into an illegal immigration sycophant and ignoring the rule of law, which means he is supposed to enforce the rule of law. And he has no right, just because he's a sheriff, to say DeSantis is in the wrong and is doing and taking illegal actions, and then he does something about it. Even a sheriff doesn't have unilateral authority to do that. But I guess in the Biden administration world, you can do anything that you want to do. If you've been to the grocery store lately, if you've driven through to get a gallon of gas, you've swallowed real hard. Let me tell you this. I drive a car that holds 18 gallons of gas. I mean, you can do the math. 18 gallons. Let's just round it up to 20. It's got a little reserve tank. So say 20 gallons. I actually, at the height of our gas situation in Louisiana, which is a very progressive in the world of oil and gas exploration production, and we have gas taxes as does every state, but ours are not nearly as egregious as a lot of other states. That being said, I paid one time during the gas craziness, $101 for a tank of gas. Now, let me put that in perspective. The day Joe Biden was elected, I went and I keep up, I always keep up with my gasoline records because I use my car sometimes, a lot of times, in business for Truth News Network. So, you know, I've got a formula worked out for the IRS, which portion of it is personal, which portion of it is work. So I went back and looked that day. The day he was elected, I paid $1.69 a gallon. Now let me put it in numbers for you. That's $34 for a tank of gas. I paid $100 for a tank of gas when Joe Biden was president, when he destroyed or tried to single-handedly destroy the fossil fuel industry in the U.S., and he, he just put the plug in the pipe that we had been using all for ourselves and having leftover oil and gas that we were shipping to other countries, but we weren't buying it because we were producing enough for us. He plugged that hole. Now remember, I paid $34 a gallon the day he was elected. 18 months later, I paid $100. That's $5 a gallon. Now you tell me that we have gotten that much benefit from the Biden administration so that I would go from $34 to $100 just because primarily what he did himself has He taken accountability for it. There's no way he won't. You heard him earlier. He even proclaimed that if Republicans take over control of the House and Senate, inflation is going to go up. Yet, he says again and again, quote, what do the Republicans believe in? They don't have any policies. They don't have any principles on which they want to do something if they get in power. He obviously lives in that wall, that room of mirrors, because I know, and I have known, I've known it all along, what the Republican administration, if it does become the Republican administration, what they will do. Right after this break, coming out of the break, you're going to hear about what one of Biden and Obama's leading economist in the Obama-Biden administration has to say about inflation. Hmm. I wonder if Joe Biden's listening.
0: Hi, this is Jack, founder of Jack in the Box. Is the caller there? Mr. Box, Douglas Goppers from Burger Week magazine. Oh, hey, Doug. Doug's a respected fast food critic. I recently dined on your sourdough Jack combo. And? Perfection. The cheese, the jumbo patty, the golden sourdough bread, the french fries... Bravo. Well, thank you. However, I found the dessert a bit dry. It doesn't come with dessert. The candy. The white, round candy with the happy face. Was it wearing a scarf? Yes, I believe it was. Rosy cheeks? Fuzzy earmuffs? Yes, that's it. Douglas, you ate a holiday ball. (gasps) We're giving one away free to customers who buy a sourdough Jack combo. But they're not for dessert. They're for antennas. Or a pencil. Right. Well, that's going to improve your score dramatically. Excellent Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet.
4: are typically pretty quiet well i didn't want to be a
0: pain in Uh, 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 the hurry in for the best deals we've had in years money saving rebates on brakes batteries tires and more see your participating Ford dealer today when a governor can tell a president no rally in my state it's time for some definitive truth here with the goods again dan newman Before we get to the
1: expert from the Obama-Biden administration on all things economic, I wanted to tell you exactly, for those of you that weren't here earlier, you weren't here yesterday, and you didn't hear what I told you was going to happen on today's show, there was an article that was published here on October the 12th titled, It's Exactly communism, the left want. They just say it's socialism. Now he attacked the position that we took in the article. And when I use the word attack, I'm being kind. It didn't offend me in any way. It's his opinion. And we all have those. All of us have at least one and we have the right to speak our mind according to the first amendment. And I applaud people that when they see or hear something on the show or on the website they disagree with. I want them to make comments for everyone else to see. That's how the political process works successfully. When we talk to each other, not at each other, and we listen to what each other say about any particular issue, we try to reach consensus. And in a real world where it would be really good and have good outcomes, at the end of that conversation, even if we agreed that we were wrong, we wouldn't agree to fight about it. We would just agree to agree we weren't going to agree and just move on but be nice about it. I, I said his name was Frank Church. It's Gary Church. And so Gary wrote me that long. I mean, it's really long. You can go to on the website, truthnewsnet.org, and go in comments and look back for Gary Just look down at the bottom of the page for comments that are posted, and you can go see what he said. I responded to him and said, thank you for taking time to read stories published on our website. Thank you for your comments you presented that are now live on the website. I would like for you to consider coming on our show that airs Monday through Friday. It's a conservative talk show, if you didn't know that. I'm the host. We often have guests who discuss various important issues. You and your comments brought up many of those. There's no intention to denigrate you for your opinions. That's not the reason I suggest that you join me on the show live. I want everyone who listens to hear your thoughts and on what you base them. Too often when someone speaks about political issues, we make an uninformed opinion of what the person really means. Talking almost always clears the air. Will you come on the show and discuss your comments? And I told him how that would happen. He replied, yes, I get long-winded because I don't type. I simply dictate so it's easy to go on and on. But actually, that's only about half of what I intended to respond to concerning that article. I appreciate your asking me to join the conversation, and yes, I would be honored. It will need to be on Friday, and I assume for the most part I would like to further address each item as best I can, Because everything in that article is right on point as to the way things are viewed in that party. And believe it or not, I do get it. Send me any information I may need, including other talking points you may wish to discuss. And so I replied instantly. By the way, I tried to reach him through his email that when he logged in to become not a member, but to be able to get our stories emailed to him, the email that he put in there, when I wrote my response to it, it was bounced back saying, that email address doesn't exist. So anyway, when I couldn't get him by uh, email, tried to call him. I don't have his number. I basically asked him. I said, please call me today. This was yesterday. And let's discuss our on air conversation tomorrow. Gave him my personal number. I've not heard from him. Gary, if you're listening... Let me know if you want to come on board like you said you did. You really touched me with the things that you said. This is the first time I've ever done this. Invited a dissident. uh, And when I say dissident, I'm just using that to describe a person who disagrees about specific issues. And I just want to give you a bully pulpit to express your, your feelings that run opposite to that article. If you're listening... Feel free to give me a call. You can do it today. You can do it tomorrow. Anytime. You had some good things to say. Moving on about the Obama economist. Well, Jason Furman is his name. And he said yesterday inflation may not easily decrease due to the rise in the median consumer price index, which reached 8% in September. Furman was chairman of the Obama administration's Council of Economic Advisers. He said the median CPI figure is the single biggest threat to his prediction that core CPI inflation would slow to a 4.5% annual rate. By the way, comparing that to Donald Trump's, his was 1.5%. In other words, basically no inflation. Median Consumer Price Index strips out the volatile categories on either side. So it takes away every special story. It's more stable than core CPI, which can be volatile month to month. And I told you what these uh, volatile categories they leave out are groceries primarily and energy, oil and gas, trying to get to the substance of it. He said, Furman said, the increase in median CPI, it means that forecasters should be. A bit more nervous in their predictions regarding inflation eventually decreasing. Overall year CPI was 8.2% in September compared to just a month ago, so it went down 0.1%. And month to month CPI reached 0.4%. That's up from 0.1% in August. President Biden addressed the September CPI report yesterday, arguing that because of his economic plan, the United States is in a stronger position. This is what he said. Today's report shows some progress in the fight against higher prices, even as we have more work to do. Inflation over the last three months has averaged, oh, just 2% at an annualized rate. That's down from 11% in the prior quarter, he said. And he finished his statement by criticizing those evil Republicans for attempting to repeal the Inflation Reduction Act. He said that's their number one priority is repealing it. That's the exact wrong thing to do in this moment. And then that's where he said if Republicans take control of Congress, every day cost will go up, not down, he said. And of course, he named named no source, no economist, no study that justified his saying that just simply if Republicans take control of Congress, inflation is going to go up. Joe, listen, listen. You can't spend more money that you don't have and expect inflation to go down. If you really honestly feel that way, you are not that one issue alone makes you ineligible to be a president or to be any person in power of spending by this government. Well, I guess you heard the news. Donald Trump has been subpoenaed to go testify before that January six committee. And the committee members, nine to nothing, voted to issue that subpoena. And I'm sure you know that um, Donald Trump is scared to death of that subpoena. <laughs> you know that's not the case. Uh, I, You know, I don't know because this is a congressional committee. And their subpoenas can be enforced by law. It's a very loose law. It really is. Um, but anyway, he hasn't formally responded, Donald Trump. Um, and 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 there's something there when 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 a when a thing like this breaks, I always like to go to the other media side to see what they have to say, how they phrase. Or frame the thing that we're talking about. This is a big deal. Donald Trump's no longer president, but he was for four years, obviously. And there's a whole lot of allegations already put out there by the January 6th committee. They've had some witnesses. They've had some documents brought in. In this committee, it's not run like a court. Republicans have no way to insert themselves in the process. They can't even look at the evidence. If it is really evidence, it could be just hearsay. They can't call witnesses and they don't get to cross-examine the Democrats' hand-picked witnesses. So it's a charade. Here's what um, is likely to happen, according to CBS News.
2: The house Select committee investigating the January 6th insurrection voted unanimously to subpoena former President Trump. This morning, CBS News. Natalie Brent is in D.C. with more on what was revealed in what could be the last public hearing for the January 6th committee. Natalie, good morning.
5: Good morning, Maribel. The nine members of the select committee took turns yesterday presenting what could be considered their closing arguments. but. They also made clear their work here isn't finished, as you mentioned. They want to hear from former President Trump directly, the chair of the committee saying this is about accountability.
0: The resolution is agreed to.
5: The House committee investigating the January 6th Capitol attack ended what could be its final public hearing with a unanimous vote to subpoena testimony from former President Trump himself. We have sufficient information to consider criminal referrals for multiple individuals, but a key task remains. We must seek the testimony under oath of January 6th central player. Afterwards, the former president lashed out on social media asking why he wasn't asked months ago and saying the committee is quote, a total bust that has only served to further divide the country. The dramatic hearing featured more video testimony from former top White House aides who recalled Trump's private acknowledgments that he lost the 2020 election. He had said something to the effect of I don't want people to know we lost, Mark. This is embarrassing. And also never seen before footage of congressional leaders pleading for help as the chaos unfolded.
0: Why don't you get the president to tell them to leave the Capitol, Mr. Attorney General?
5: Lawmakers also put the spotlight on the U.S. Secret Service, presenting new evidence that they say shows agents were aware of threats of violence before the Capitol assault. California Democrat Adam Schiff read some of the alerts the agents were getting as much as a week and a half before the attack.
2: They think that they will have a large enough group to march into D.C. armed and will outnumber the police so they can't
0: be stopped. Their plan is to literally kill people.
5: A final report of the panel's findings is expected by the end of the year. And greater violence... Now, following yesterday's hearing, Chair Benny Thompson told reporters that he hopes Trump testifies before the panel in person when asked what happens if this turns into a legal fight in court. Chair Thompson said, let's see what happens here. Former President Trump, meanwhile, has said he's going to put out a response by 8 a.m. this morning. Also worth noting, the committee says it may still subpoena additional witnesses, including members of the U.S. Secret Service. So we'll have to wait and see what happens there. But a reminder that the panel has to wrap up its work by the end of the year. I'll send it back to you.
2: Natalie, thank you for your live report from the Capitol.
1: Well, I've been checking. I just looked again. Donald Trump was supposed to issue his response to their threat. Who send that subpoena or those subpoenas because I understand it's going to be a bunch of them. It's not just for him to testify, but all kinds of documents and records. Let me just say this: this will go on if the January 6th committee wants it to go on for years. And meanwhile, these nine members of the U.S. Congress of the House of Representatives, they're going to be consumed. And their staffs and themselves will be unable to serve the people that elected them to go there, not to go after Donald Trump or anyone else, but to do the work for the American people and to hold the current administration accountable. That's what one of the primary objectives and responsibilities of the U.S. Congress is, the House of Representatives, is to hold an administration accountable to the rule of law. That's the kicker. The rule of law. But they don't live by the rule of law. They live by political fiat. They rule by whatever the political purposes that the Democrat Party want. That's what they go by instead. Yeah, we've got the midterm elections. Joe Biden made himself look like a fool when he was trying to get the Saudis to give us more oil, to put more oil in circulation for us so that we wouldn't see the price of gas go back up where it was a month or so ago. After all, we're in an election cycle. And this guy is so stupid. He asked the Saudi Arabians when they said they're not only going to not give us more oil, they're going to reduce the volume of oil that we're getting from them now. He actually asked them, well, if you're going to do that, would you please wait till after the midterm elections? Now that sounds kind of innocent. It is stupid, but it it sounds innocent, doesn't it? It sounds kind of like uh, the soundbite that we played for you over and over and over again where he's in front of this group of people sitting in a chair. This is when he was vice president. And he was bragging about all the work that he had done as Obama's emissary to Ukraine. And Americans didn't know this. But Hunter Biden, his son, was sitting on the board of Burisma Holdings, one of the largest natural gas production companies in Ukraine, and also has been known for years, for decades actually, Burisma Holdings, to be little more than a clearinghouse for money that is passing around and being processed and used by different people and its illegality. Seriously, Hunter was getting $50,000 a month to serve on the board. I wonder how he got that gig and I wonder why they would give Hunter Biden that gig. Hunter Biden, by the way, he didn't have any oil and gas experience whatsoever. The only thing that he had going for him and that he could bring to the table of any corporate board he might sit on is his dad was vice president. Now, I want to point something out. Joe Biden asked them, the Saudis, to wait till after the midterm elections to reduce their volume of oil that they were going to sell. It's obvious why he did it. But you know what? His doing that borders on, and it may actually be another violation of federal law. But Joe bidens he's used to that, remember? He sat on that stage and bragged about the fact when he was Biden's number one guy, when he was Obama's number one guy. They had an evil investigator in Ukraine that was investigating Hunter Biden's company, the one on which he served on the board of directors, for fraud. And he had asked then the president, not the one now, Volodymyr Zelensky, it was the previous president, asked that president to stop this investigation. That attorney, Government attorney that was investigating Barisma, Biden said was an evil guy. He was taking all kinds of illegal actions against Barissa Holdman H- Holdings, and would Zelensky, not Zelensky, the the previous president, would he ask them to stop that investigation? Now, why would he do that? Well, it's kind of like the question I just asked: Why would Joe ask the Saudis not to reduce? their production of oil, distribution of oil until after the midterm elections. Quid pro quo. Quid pro quo Joe. How do you think he got that reputation? Cutting deals. And according to Joe, what he did with the Barisma Holdings thing, he impacted or tried to impact the actions of a foreign government. You know how? He bragged about what he told that Ukrainian president he was going to do if he did not stop that investigation. Joe, as Obama's emissary to Ukraine, was sitting on a $900 million loan guarantee for the Ukrainian government. And it's for them to get a $900 million loan that they can't get Unless the United States endorses it. And Biden bragged about the fact we're holding that. And so he said, You know, I asked this president to fire that investigator, that prosecutor, because he's doing illegal things against this corporate entity. And I told him, I'm gonna be here in Kiev in Ukraine for about eight more hours. If that prosecutor is not fired by then. You're not going to get that 900 million because I'm not going to let that loan guarantee from the US be executed. And then Biden said, "Son of a bee, what do you know?" He fired the prosecutor. Does that sound like it's legal action? I don't know if Joe Biden threatened the Saudis, but he did ask them to do him a political favor, (laughs) not stop the flow of oil to the United States that we have now until after the election. He and a fellow Democrats are in panic mode. Let me tell you something else that just popped up about this election. Did you hear what happened up in Illinois? The Illinois Republican candidate for the U.S. Senate won the June primary, doesn't appear on a ballot for the general election in Schuyler County and is demanding accountability after dozens of early votes have already been cast. A social media post shows a copy of a ballot from the central Illinois County that has for the U.S. Senate race incumbent Democrat U.S. Senator Tammy Duckworth against Republican Peggy Hubbard and Libertarian Bill Redpath. But it's Kathy Salvey Who is the Republican nominee in that race? Not Hubbard. So on Tuesday, it was brought to my attention that ballots drafted by the Schuyler County Board of Elections and approved, by the way, by the Illinois State Board of Elections, incorrectly listed one of my primary opponents as the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate. Salvi said that in a statement. Our campaign legal team immediately took action and worked with Schuyler County State's attorney. While we came to the best remedy to sequester the hundreds of ballots that were distributed, this does not solve the most pressing problem of election integrity and transparency. Messages to the Illinois State Board of Elections and the Schuyler County Clerk's Office seeking confirmation of the mistake and how the mistake is to be remedied were not returned. So, a United States Senate candidate that won a primary and is in the general election in November, her name's not even on the ballot. Is it just a coincidence? And is it just random that it happened in Illinois, which is a hard left Democrat government state with a governor that is a hard left governor? I don't know. But you know what? They tell us every day there was no cheating in the 2020 election. And now they're not even saying that. What they're saying is Donald Trump didn't win the election. (laughs) So what they're, I guess they're saying when they changed their wording, their verbiage, what they're saying is, well, there may have been cheating and he may have lost some votes, but we're confident that there weren't enough votes to change the results. Donald Trump just simply didn't win. That kind of crap just blows my mind. Seriously, I can't reconcile it at all. We're going to take our second break of the day. In fact, we're behind But nobody's talking about this very much, but people are still flooding. I mean, they are flooding from West Coast states, principally California, but also Oregon and Washington, and even some from Arizona, which is getting more and more and more expensive to live in. And they're going away, they're running away, and they're all proud to say the reason we're leaving is it's too expensive to live in California under Gavin Newsom and the government of California's egregious policies, laws, and executive orders. We can't afford to live there. We don't like the atmosphere in schools here. There are so many woke people. Everybody talks about sex. What sex are you? That's not even important anymore in California. Mark Wahlberg said, it doesn't matter what your sex is. All that matters is what you say It is in California. And that's just insane, but it's everywhere. We've got that story and more. Don't go anywhere.
0: Real Truth. Real News. TNN. The Truth News Network.
4: Grab an ice-cold can of Celsius and stay active and energized all day. Celsius is better for you energy made with premium ingredients, zero sugar and seven essential vitamins with no high fructose corn syrup, no aspartame, no preservatives and no artificial colors or flavors. Celsius is just the essential energy you need to keep you fueled and active all day. Celsius, essential energy, live fit. Now find Celsius at Celsius.com or a retailer near you.
0: We're outside Pilgrim Furniture and Mattress City where parents are disappearing. Excuse me, are your parents in there?
4: Yeah, they can't decide if they should take no interest for 60 months with no money down or an extra hundred dollars off every 9.99 they spend.
0: It's a tough choice.
4: But they've been in there for
0: six hours. I want dinner. Parents, if you're at Pilgrim, please make a decision. The I'm crazy hungry, so she's gotta be too. Slide through the Mickey D's drive-through to get a Big Mac. Right after I order her quarter pounder with cheese, because I don't know everything, but I do know when my girl's feeling, hangry mew. Get it at McDonald's when you buy one of your faves, like the Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, 10-piece chicken McNuggets, or filet of fish and get another for just a dollar. Prices and participation may vary. Valid on item of equal or lesser value. New homeownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates now at home workshops you'll find indoor and outdoor workshops even home systems workshops plus you'll get the know how you need to care for your biggest investment master the basics at homeowner 101 only at the home depot how doers get more done register now at home workshops
1: to you, Mark Wahlberg. He's a, uh, I like him a lot as an actor. He was a a rap singer, pretty good singer. He got into the entertainment business in acting and he's really had some great roles. Um, I'm trying to think of the, the, the best movie he's been in. He's been in so many. Shooter. Oh my gosh, that was a great movie. Anyway. He's revealed he's joining the exodus from California. He's leaving his longtime home in L.A. He's headed to Nevada in a quest to eventually build Hollywood 2.0. And he, by the way, is an entrepreneur. He's a business guy and does great with that. So in an interview earlier this week, he's 51 years old. He said he'd bid the Golden State goodbye in hopes of giving his children a better life in income-tax-free Nevada. He's already made two purchases in the Silver State, a $15.6 million, two-and-a-half-acre block of land in an exclusive area that he plans to build out, as well as a $14.5 million bungalow to live in as construction begins. <laughs> so that's $30 million. That's a lot of money, and he probably has the ability to write a check. It comes as a lot of celebrities have been getting out of California over taxes and not just that, but rising crime and the state's notorious homeless problem. The likes of Elon Musk, Joe Rogan, Ozzy and Sharon Osborne, and Matt Damon have left the state in recent years. Los Angeles mayoral candidate Rick Caruso has made keeping Hollywood in Hollywood a big plank of his campaign but he appears to have lost momentum to woke, progressive Karen Bass. Wahlberg noted that he moved to Nevada, hoping to get a tax credit that would ease the creation of his proposed film studio. I mean, he's a forward-thinking guy. He's not just sitting there griping about it. He tried to get things changed in California. He's lived there pretty much his whole life but you can't change anything in California that is not hard left in policy processing. He said, after this gubernatorial election, hopefully we go to legislation and get a bill passed so we can get tax credits for the state. Build the state-of-the-art studio here and make this Hollywood 2.0. Now, the 2022 Nevada gubernatorial election features incumbent Democrat Steve Sisolak and against Sheriff Joe Lombardo. 538 sees as a slight advantage for the incumbent Sisolak. Nevada already has a fairly generous tax credit system under Sisolak. Wahlberg's move to Nevada, which borders California, comes after he put his 12-bedroom, 20-bathroom Beverly Hills mansion on the market. Listen to this price tag. $87.5 million in April of this year. A lot of them are headed to Vegas, and there's a reason for it. But let me tell you what no running will solve. The 30-year fixed mortgage rate rose to 6.92% yesterday, the highest rate in over 20 years, 6.92%. A year ago, two years ago, We were looking at 1% and a little higher. You could actually get a one-point-something mortgage rate. We continue to see a tale of two economies in the data. Strong job and wage growth are keeping consumers' balance sheets positive while lingering inflation, fears of recession, housing affordability, are driving housing demand down precipitately. That came from Freddie Mac's chief economist, Sam Cater. The next several months will undoubtedly be important for our economy and the housing market. It's getting worse. It's not getting better. Now, if you haven't listened to any story, I want you to listen to this one very closely that I'm about to talk to you about. On March 9th this year, President Biden quietly signed Executive Order number 14067. You might want to write that number down. EO, which is Executive Order, 14067. I want you to, when you get home, or if you're at home, I want you to go to the computer after the show and look that up. Executive Order 14067. Buried inside it is a very sinister provision that will give the government unprecedented control over your money and your freedom. In fact, what the provision does, it sets the stage for the legal government surveillance of everybody in the country, total control over your bank accounts and purchases. Did you hear me? Total control over your bank accounts and purchases and the ability to silence any and all dissenting voices for the good of the nation, which is defined by who? The sitting president. Most Americans have never even heard of Executive Order 14067. That's why a world-renowned economist and former advisor to both the CIA and the Pentagon sounded the alarm. This guy's name is Jim Reichertz or Rickerts, and why it's a direct threat to freedom for every one of us. In fact, according to him, the order could mean the end of the U.S. dollar as we know it. We're in for a major upheaval of the dollar. In fact, I predict the third great dollar earthquake has already started. The first was Roosevelt confiscating private gold back in 1934. The second was Nixon abandoning the gold standard in 1971. Now, Biden's plan could pave the way for retiring the U.S. dollar, and replacing it with a disturbing new alternative. And this is happening right now. Executive Order 14067 already gives President Biden unprecedented power over the future of the dollar, Rickard says, and sadly most Americans will be completely caught off guard by it. That's why Rickards just released a must-see presentation which explains how you can prepare for this event now. And if you go online and just do a search for him, you will find it in your ability to go and look at it. His name, again, is Jim Rickards, spelled R-I-C-K-A-R-D-S. Well, let me say this. If you were with us a couple of days ago and you heard us have that conversation with that, Singaporean resident that now lives in Florida that lived in after Singapore and Dubai. One of the guys that was from the very beginning of cryptocurrency was involved in it. He mined cryptocurrency. I won't go into telling you and explaining what mining is. My understanding of it is very elementary, but it's how the cryptocurrency system works and how safe it is. He talked about, and I asked him point blank. And you can hear that interview, by the way. If you go back, and while I'm doing this, I'm looking back, and I'm going to tell you what day it was on. Just give me half a second. Um, Dunstan Tau is his name, T-E-O. He explained, I asked him point blank about cryptocurrency. There are so many rumors out there about it. And it depends on who you talk to. There's a plethora of answers you're going to get if you ask that question. If you go back to, what day was this? Two days ago. It was on uh, Wednesday. You can get the whole interview there. You don't have to go anywhere else but to truthnewsnet.org and then look. At the previous stories and look his pictures on there. Dunstan Teo, T E O. He's from Singapore. He um and several friends started a new cryptocurrency, I guess about a year ago. It's called Philcoin, P-H-I-L-C-O-I-N. And it's it's very different from other cryptocurrencies. We can get into what Philcoin is on another day. But he recommended that you and I, regarding our money, the money that we have and the money that we keep, and it doesn't matter how, you can have it in whatever you have it in now, but he recommended because of things like this executive order, 14067, which Biden has issued, the banks right now, today, listen closely, they have the unfettered federal right to grab. Any and all of the money you have on deposit. I'm talking about banks, savings and loans, even unions, credit unions. They can grab your money and there's nothing you can do about it. He recommended that we all put aside about 20% of a year's worth of income and keep it. Keep it in cash somewhere where you can access it. The other 80% put it in cryptocurrency. Nobody can get to your cryptocurrency account unless you give them specific authorization. And it takes a back to Congress to get there. We could go into how it's set up and what it is and how cryptocurrency works and what can you do, what can't you do. You can find out very easily online how the process works. But the reason it is so important now, according to him, is because the government is doing everything they can. And they now already have through the banks access to your dollars. That's scary. I mean, do you actually believe, are you considering just not doing anything about The way this economy is impacting you financially and your family? Come on now, we can't do that. We've all got to engage. We've all got to work together to find ways to protect ourselves, our family members, our friends, our businesses, our churches, our schools. This president makes no bones about it by signing an issue by issuing and signing an executive order like this with the provisions in it that I just gave you it it just flies in the face of all the things that he said he is all about you know I want to unite the people I don't want to be the president of the democrats I don't want to be just president of the republicans I want to be president of all people I want to unify the nation besides that everything he's done without exception is to divide us worse than we already were. And he just keeps ramping it up and ramping it up and pushing, pushing, pushing. He he lives the definition of what an authoritarian is. I'm just saying. That's what authoritarian leaders do. They reach out and take total control of all the working pieces in the society in which they govern. Where do you see that today? Ah, take a look at what's going on in Russia. Look what's going on in China. Yeah, I'm comparing government leadership in this country to government leadership in those countries. We need to pray for President Biden. I pray for him every day. I want him to be successful as our president, but I demand that he do so by abiding by the laws that in many cases he was part of passing and sending to whatever president was in office at that time and getting it signed into law. He doesn't need to continue to suborn felony actions by allowing illegals to come across our southern border and stay here. The law says says federal law says that if they do come in they are to be immediately returned to the country from which they came. Biden doesn't do that. in fact he does exactly the opposite. pray that the truth, will show up in his mind and that he'll realize he's trampling on the rule of law and the structure that he so successfully made his life turn into just by working in the political process. Yeah, I don't like the way it does. I don't like the way any of the elected officials in D.C. um, seed their, their fortunes and build their nest egg. Just being in the political system, but it happens every day. That's a story for another day. We need to pray for Biden to be successful as he leads the nation. Moving on, this one's kind of spooky. Former Facebook employee and whistleblower named Francis Hogan. Francis, it's female. It's the CES. You know, we've got to we've got to give the pronouns and the names correct access and explain what they are right. Well, Francis Hogan is heading a new initiative featuring a bunch of former intelligence officials and it's bankrolled by a left-wing billionaire. And what it's about, it's aiming to influence how social media companies moderate speech and content. That's interesting to phrase it that way, moderate speech and content. Hogan will co-chair the Council for Responsible Social Media, a nonprofit sponsoring the initiative, says. The Council's members include Leon Panetta, former CIA Director and Defense Secretary under Barack Obama, Chris Krebs, Director of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency under Trump, and Bush Administration CIA Director Porter Goss, Members also include the Biden Administration's former Director for Legislative Affairs at the National Security Council, Nicole Tisdale, and Obama Administration Defense Secretary, Chuck Hagel. This group intends to lobby lawmakers and other officials in whatever government is there at the time to enact legislation and regulations governing online platforms. Now, there's a project fact sheet that's out there. This news comes out of that project fact sheet. It also hopes to pressure, this committee does, pressure social media companies to moderate their platforms in accordance with the group's demands. The Council is focused on the effect of social media on children's mental health, as well as safeguards of democracy from propaganda and conspiracy theories. Now, of course, the only problem with that is who de- defines what a conspiracy theory is? Who defines what moderation is? That's where the First Amendment comes in. And it basically says, and I'm not reading it, I don't have it in front of me, but you can if you won't, but the context as it was written says no one has the right to abridge what any other person says. Period. And so these social media companies for the last years have been getting around it by calling it misinformation, propaganda, conspiracy theories. And that gives them a ticket, the ticket to the right. And so they just cash that ticket in and just change it. They cancel it. The Omidar Network, the Newton and Rochelle Becker Charitable Trust, and the Wynn Collective, they funded the council with a quarter of a million dollars in grants. This is from Issue 1 spokesperson Corey Combs talking to the Washington Post. Issue 1 received $100,000 from the Omidar Network early this year. Pierre Omidar. this is the network's billionaire co-founder, He's a longtime supporter of left-wing causes and efforts to police content on social media platforms. In 2020, the Omidar Network donated $700,000 to the 1630 Fund, a Democrat-aligned dark money group, while Omidar himself made a whopping $45 million contribution to the Civic Action Fund. That's a project of the liberal outfit, according to Politico. He also provided strategic communication supports to Hagen in the fall of 2021 through his philanthropic firm, Luminate. Hagen has previously pushed for social media companies to crack down on misinformation and hateful speech, calling for a government regulator to oversee social media platforms. When all of this began to come to ahead. This speech misinformation, controlling, stopping, deleting by the social media platforms of things that Americans post. When it all came to a head, we were told very, very succinctly that the social media companies are privately owned companies. They're not the government. The First Amendment applies to the members of the federal government that nobody can abridge the right for any citizen to say anything, that they could say things that offend others, but other people can say things that offend them. That's part of living in a totally free representative republic, just like we do. But they will not accept that right belongs solely to each individual American. They The left, this guy himself, Omidar, this whole thing was put together and funded so that somebody could control other people's free speech. And I spent probably too much time on this, but I wanted you to understand there's something serious going on. And isn't it odd? it all pretty much always ties back to one thing and one thing only, money. Money begets favor. Favor begets election, getting into some management position. And then when that happens, that person is in a position to do pretty much anything, whatever they want. And typically what they're going to do is go try to perpetuate what made them be successful in what they're doing. What is that? you find ways to put people like-minded people in positions of power and authority just like your opinions there's a big there's several big races going on but the senate is really now the hot spot for control of the senate for the next 2 years in wisconsin there's a senate democrat wisconsin senate democrat not the us senate but in the state Candidate Mandela Barnes said yesterday in a debate that he favors an immediate path to citizenship for illegal immigrants crossing the southern border. What would you suggest for their pathway to citizenship? The moderator asked him. Well, we should process them immediately. Put them in a path for citizenship, Barnes said. We need to make sure people who have been put here, people who have been working, people who have been contributing, should have a path to citizenship, if they so choose. Barnes then accused Republicans of fear-mongering, which has delayed comprehensive immigration reform. But the issue has been so demagogued, again, the fear-mongering that is being used as a reason why we don't have comprehensive immigration reform. And he's talking about, of course, the GOP. They want to scare the hell out of everybody on this issue. It's only making people's lives worse, making people's lives more difficult, and it's contributing to a more inhumane system. No examples, just allegations. Now, here's what he has supported. Abolishing ICE, and is backed by radical groups leading the Abolish ICE movement. He's also pushed for permitting illegal immigrants to have access to driver's license and in-state college tuition. Now, on the other side of the political spectrum is current U.S. Senator Ron Johnson. Johnson has introduced legislation to the Stopping Overdoses of Fentanyl Analogs Act to provide law enforcement with enhanced tools to combat the opioid pandemic. He is also endorsed by the National Border Control Council. August was the fifth month in a row in which migrant apprehensions by Border Patrol exceeded 180,000. September's numbers haven't been released yet, but I can bet you it'll be 200,000 plus. Democrat policies have led to almost 2 million encounters by and with illegals by Border Patrol. A 20% increase since 2021. Border Patrol apprehended a uh, then recorded a number of 1.6 million migrants in 2021. 1.6 million. Many of those encountered at the border have been released into the interior and sent to Florida on more than 70 different planes. Now, who is this guy? Mandela Barnes. What would you suggest for their pathway to citizenship? And he wants to let them in. But he is a hardcore leftist. He is defund the police, abolish ICE, open the southern border up, and let everybody in. That's what he's about. And we just can't do it. Now, what does he stand on? Well, he has a record of being soft on crime. What does he say? Quote, it's absurd when people say I'm soft on crime or I'm not serious about issues. As you can imagine, his record shows otherwise. He wrote the bill in the state legislature to eliminate cash bail and make it his goal to cut the prison population in half, releasing violent criminals back on the streets And when he talked about that in one interview, he said, doing that sounds sexy. I want to interpret that for you. He's allowed at least 884 convicted criminals back onto the streets by releasing them on parole. Senator Ron Johnson ripped Barnes for his prison policies. You've already reduced it 15%. They paroled about 884 criminals. You'd think they start with nonviolent. Nope, only 11% were nonviolent, about 100 criminals. When asked back in 2018 if he thought the inmate population could be cut in half, Barnes replied and said, absolutely. That's something that happens over time. Barnes has also denounced U.S. policing policies a state-run propaganda channel had him on in 2015 and 2016, Russia Today. Recent polls show Senator Johnson leading the race over Barnes by six points. And at one point, Barnes was way ahead of Ron Johnson, who was one of the greatest leaders in U.S. Senate history. If the Wisconsin voters vote him out, that's going to be a sad day for the state. And, of course, that in ripple waves, floods across our nation. If you know anybody up in Wisconsin, have any relatives or friends, talk to them. See which way they're going and maybe explain to them all that Mandela Barnes is about and has stated publicly. And they can go online if they want to and find exactly what he's been doing and getting into. There are Democrats today in four key races, that have and are pressing Joe Biden to defund border enforcement agencies and to grant mass amnesty. Oh, my gosh. Those Democrats running for Congress in four key midterm races demanded that our government defund border security agencies and grant mass amnesty to illegal Democrats. Democrat Colorado State Senator Brittany Pedersen, State Representative Yadira Caravio, North Carolina State Senator Wiley Knuckle, and New Mexico Democrat candidate Gabe Vasquez reportedly called on the U.S. to divest from immigration enforcement agencies like ICE and Customs and Border Patrol. This is according to the Washington Free Beacon. The Colorado Republican Party told the Washington Free Beacon that this is an opportunity to highlight the Democrats' harmful border policies. The fact that Yadira Cavero, it's hard to say some of these names. Uh, In fact, Yadira Cavero's supports abolishing ICE proves that she is an extremist, more interested in promoting a far-left agenda than in keeping citizens of the 8th Congressional District safe. That's according to Colorado GOP Executive Director Joe Jackson. The open border policies are supported by Joe Biden and Cavero, have brought dangerous drugs to our state and have created a devastating humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border. I don't think anybody, anybody will say that's not a fact. Let me drop a little truth bomb on you here. It was announced overnight that George Soros, in fact, he's been called in the past a very successful entrepreneur. Well, now he's called the Democrat Party megadonor. He has spent and always has spent millions of dollars in elections every two years. This time he gave Stacey Abrams, her campaign in Georgia, another $1 million boost On the final day of the campaign's third fundraising quarter, Democracy Pac-2, which is a federal committee funded by Soros, sent $1 million to One Georgia, Inc., a leadership committee Abrams leads to help her campaign. One Georgia, Inc. reportedly shares a treasurer and an address with Stacey Abrams' campaign. I wonder what goes on with that marriage? That's another one of those scratch my head. The $1 million Soros' donation to Abrams' campaign efforts, that goes up to $3.5 million because he'd already donated $2.5 million in the second fundraising quarter of the year. So this is for a governor's race, not a, U.S. Senate or U.S. House seat race, $3.5 million from one person supporting Stacey Abrams. Both Soros' daughter and daughter-in-law financially contributed to Abrams' leadership committee. Andrea Soros-Columbell gave One Georgia Inc. hundred grand in August. Jennifer Allen Soros contributed $500 in September. Outside of One Georgia Contributions, Soros and his family members have donated $60,000 directly to Abrams' campaign. The pair, Abrams and Soros's, their financial relationship dates back as far as six years when Abrams owned a company that helped install a progressive DA in Georgia's Henry County that received $147,000 from Soros as part of the mega-donors campaign speak to upend the American criminal justice system. I got to be honest with you. You know, let me explain to you how I got to where I feel to tell you how I feel. I like stand up comedy. I do. And I guess my favorite comedians are the ones that are really funny, and their humor comes from talking about things from their own life, and it's not about denigrating somebody. Taking pot shots. I hate that. I really do. And we see it happen all the time. It is an everyday thing. And we just can't get around it. I'm sick and tired of politics in general. And I'm sick and tired of all the money that's in politics. And nobody wants to step up to the table. I'll tell you, that's not true. There are a lot of people that want to step up to the table that don't have the pockets or the power to do it, to say, stop it. Just stop it. This has gone too far. It's totally out of control. Why would there need to be, for the structure of the United States of America, why would there need to be established, for government giving contributions, dark money. And you know the difference between legal campaign contributions and dark money is legal contributions from citizens or corporations, they're reported to the Federal Election Commission. And it goes on record. And that's a government agency. So anybody can find out who is on Any campaign candidate's contribution list, exclusive of dark money. So where does dark money come in? There are restrictions on the amount of money that an individual or a company can give to a campaigner, to a candidate. And once you give that, basically you're toast. So there's been a long time effort to find a way to move that barricade. We need to be able, no longer just to go after hundreds of thousands, no longer just to go after millions. We need to be able to go after billions of dollars of campaign contributions and doing it anonymously instead of being on the front page of whatever newspaper the candidate lives in. Candidates would all like to brag about that, but it's expressly prohibited. So, who authorized dark money groups to come together. Who put that whole process together and agreed to it? Democrats. Now, Democrats want to blame Republicans for it now. But guess what? Nobody in either part or at least in enough numbers to do anything about it. Nobody wants to see the dark money go away because they love it. They can go ask anybody for anything. There's no real restrictions on it at all. And best of all for them, nobody knows who's giving. Nobody knows who's giving, although it is illegal. So many things that are everyday things are being done with and about these dark money groups that are illegal. Nobody can talk about it. So with impunity, George Soros He doesn't answer to anybody about the political money he gives because he goes on record and gives money to campaigns and he does it according to the legal structure. But after that, he starts spending even more money, massive amounts to these dark money groups that nobody ever knows who they are or how much comes in. And that whole system was put together and structured exclusively by the United States Congress and who works in there and who controls it. Democrats right now, Republicans aren't exempt. Republicans get a lot of dark money themselves. Ask your candidate, your candidate for us Congress, how much money and dark money have they taken?
0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law
5: i'm a verizon engineer and today we're turning on 5g across the country including right here in new york city with the coverage of 5g nationwide and in more and more cities the unprecedented performance of ultra wideband it will change your phone and how businesses do everything i'm proud because we didn't build it the easy way we built it right This is the 5G America's been waiting for. Only from Verizon. 5G Ultra Wideband available only in parts of select cities. 5G nationwide available in 1,800 plus
0: cities. Square Packages, the packaging specialists, are proud to present a box on both your houses. The untold story of the invention of the box and the family rivalry that nearly destroyed it. It's a tale about opening your heart, finding acceptance, and inventing the most efficient means of shipping and packaging that mankind has ever known. Proving that to find what's in your soul, you have to look outside the box. And into another box, which is a house, your home. And that truly is the greatest box of all. Tune in every Wednesday at 8 for this once-in-a-week-time television event, A Box on Both Your Houses, presented by Square Packages, the packaging specialists. You're fighting back the tsunami of ignorance with Dan Newman, TNN, the Truth News Network. It's really more and more difficult every
1: day to keep up and let the public know about the horrible crime that is happening around the nation. And just when you think it can't get any worse, it does. You probably heard about what happened late yesterday up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Well, here's an update on that shooting, their officials early this morning identified the victims of that mass shooting. It includes a 16-year-old boy, a police officer who was on his way to work, and a woman who was critically injured just days before her birthday. The gunman, this is what's insane, is a 15-year-old boy. And he opened fire near the Noose River Greenway area in Raleigh just after 5 p.m. yesterday. He was taken into custody about three hours later after he was allegedly contained inside a nearby home. The crime scene spanned over two miles. Raleigh Chief of Police Estella Patterson identified the deceased off-duty police officer as 29-year-old Gabriel Torres who was on his way to work. She said other victims include 16-year-old James Roger Thompson. 52-year-old Nicole Connors, 49-year-old Susan Carnitz, and 35-year-old Mary Marshall. Two more victims were wounded, but they survived. They've been identified as a second Raleigh police officer who has since been released from the hospital and Marcelin Gardner, who was shot just days before her 60th birthday and remains in critical condition. The alleged killer is in critical condition at a nearby hospital. Hospital. My heart is heavy because we don't have an answer as to why this tragedy occurred. That's from the sheriff. But what I can tell you is that the Raleigh Police Department and the Raleigh community is resilient and we stand strong and we will heal and we will be stronger as a result of what has occurred. The police chief wouldn't talk about any relationship between the victims and the suspect. I promise you, I don't think this one was random. It just smells like it's a 15-year-old kid that went nuts because of the way other people were treating him. The shootings occurred in the streets, in the neighborhood, and then the suspect fled towards the greenway. And then we had some more victims who were shot in the greenway. It all unfolded in a portion of the Headingham New neighborhood where the greenway is located between a section of homes. As that gunfire erupted, Cops asked residents to remain inside their homes and call 911 immediately if they saw or heard anything. Headingham resident Cherie Thorne said such violence is unusual in their neighborhood, where most of the children are really friendly and love to play in the street. It's never been like this. The neighborhood has never been this way, she said. Everybody really knows everybody or most. And she described it as a beautiful golfing Community. That means it's an upscale community. Can you think of maybe a 15-year-old kid? He may want to go to that area of town where he resents the fact that he's not one of those people and probably will never be, probably got talked down to by these kids at school. All of those things came to my mind. And he just got to a tipping point and said, I'm not going to take it anymore. And it looks and sounds to me like he went after somebody purposefully. That's a scary thing anyway. It is to me. So let's talk just for a second about our Department of Homeland Security. You know that we of late have been seeing more and more Venezuelan immigrants coming to our southern border. Venezuela, where will it stop? I mean, we have about 192 countries on Earth. I haven't seen the entire list, but I know that there have been immigrants from well over 100 different countries coming across our southern border. Well, Mayorkas, Homeland Security Secretary, is introducing a joint border enforcement plan with Mexico And it's to limit border crossings. Now, that sounds really positive. It allows up to 24,000 Venezuelans to directly land by air at an interior U.S. port of entry. Now, what's this all about? On Tuesday, the two governments, Mexican and U.S., announced a joint action to curb rising numbers of undocumented Venezuelans crossing their shared border with Mexico. With immediate effect, Venezuelans who walk or swim across the border after Tuesday, two days ago, will be returned to Mexico under Trump-era policy Title 42, which allows for the swift expulsion of most unauthorized border crossers. The plan includes some new checkpoints new resources, joint targeting of human smuggling organizations, and expanded information sharing related to transit nodes, hotels, stash houses, and staging locations. In return, Mexico has agreed to accept deported Venezuelan nationals who enter the U.S. between ports of injury without authorization until Tuesday, Venezuelans weren't subject to Title 42 border expulsions as neither their home country nor a third country like Mexico was willing to take them back. The U.S. is going to grant tens of thousands of Venezuelans a legal pathway by air to get here. Our comprehensive effort to reduce the irregular migration of Venezuelans also includes a new process to lawfully, and safely bring up to 24,000 qualifying Venezuelans into the U.S. That's from the DHS. The U.S. will not implement this process without Mexico keeping in place its independent but parallel effort to accept the return of Venezuelan nationals who bypass this process and attempt to enter irregularity. Once again... Put this in perspective. This operation was announced less than a month before the 2022 midterm elections that could remove Democrat control of Congress. The Biden administration said the move is to ease the ongoing crisis at the border, which has been fueled by increased immigration flows not only from Venezuela, but also Cuba and Nicaragua. More than 150,000 Venezuelans were picked up at the border between October 21st and August and contrasted with nearly 48,000 apprehended in the 2021 fiscal year. The Federation for American Immigration Reform, which is an organization that favors curbs on illegal immigration, denounced the new program as part of President Joe Biden's open border policies. Once again, Biden is looking to exploit American sympathies and permanently resettle hundreds of thousands here in the United States by ignoring our immigration laws through the abuse of parole authority. Now, what does it take to be eligible for this new plan? These actions make clear that there is a lawful and orderly way for Venezuelans to enter the U.S. and lawful entry is the only way. That's according to Mayorkas. Now, let let me just say this. This whole thing is crap. Whoever wrote it, whatever it looks like, whatever the document says, they need to just put it in a shredder because it is worthless. Will it be enacted? I can almost guarantee you it will. And why do I say that? Joe Biden's got two more years and this gives them an opportunity to bypass Congress. I mean, they don't do anything The Biden administration doesn't do anything. Very, very little, if anything through Congress with legislation, that's the way this kind of stuff is supposed to be handled, not by a group of people that are in the tank that are, angry about borders anywhere on the planet. We don't need to have any national borders. Nobody does. Anybody should be able to go anywhere. And this is the results of that kind of mindset. They want it to continue. But the reason it will not pass, there are going to be, and I'm sure there are groups out there that already have lawsuits already written, drafted, approved, and ready to file in court, federal court, immediately if this happens because it goes against constitutional law. How does the immigration process work? I promise you it doesn't work. There's no provision for there to be the ability for anybody that wants to come here. Hey, just get on your horse and come here. We're open for anybody and everybody. But guess what, Mr. Mayorkas, there is a legal immigration process in place that if you, as you swore in your oath of office when you became the Secretary of Homeland Security, you promised you would do it, support the rule of law, you turned your back on it immediately. You hate it. You don't believe what the immigration structure is that was legally crafted and put together by the United States Congress. You don't believe in it. Well, it's there, sir. And the American people are waking up. And we're all going to live in the law of the land. If we don't, the United States is toast. That is a wrap on our week at Truth News Network, TNN Live. I want to thank you for being here tomorrow morning. Make sure you grab truthnewsnet.org. The top story is our bullet points. We paraphrase for you with a couple of sentences every important story of the week. If you want to get more details about any one of them, you just click on the little blue arrow at the end, and it takes you to an article. We're going to end the week with you. We're going to share this Christian song with you. Listen to the words.